AEW New Japan Forbidden Door is in the books, and it is one of the most special pay-per-views I think you will ever see. The whole build of this pay-per-view was that you're going to see dream matches, you're going to see things you've never seen before, and it is going to be an exhibition of epic proportions, and if that is what they built up, they delivered and then some. I'm going to run through the card, what I thought, my overall thoughts of the pay-per-view, but guys, in all seriousness, I think that this might be the best inter-promotional super card I've ever seen, and I'm including Starcade 95, I'm including the uh, the Ring of Honor New Japan show at the Garden in March of 2019, this topped it all because of this year's star power, because of the stakes that were on the line, and above all, the presentation and what this, and honestly, everything going into this card made you think that this should not have worked. The injuries to people like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and then, and then some, this card should not work. Ishii got injured. He got taken out of a big match in this in this card. And then it happened. And then it was great. Let's talk about it, though. I'm not going to run through the pre-show. I'm not going to run through the buy-in card. Those were some really good matches to get you hyped for the pay-per-view. But I'm going to get right into the main card. We kicked off with an insane six-man tag team match. Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota. Okay, so multiple things were happening in this match. All of which I absolutely loved. First of all, everyone who's watched this channel before knows that I absolutely adore Minoru Suzuki. He is a wrestling icon, in my opinion. This dude, Put the strap on him, Tony Khan. I don't care what anyone says. Minoru Suzuki, at the age of, what, 52 or whatever, is the future of this business, kid. Uh, but in all seriousness, though, I mean, Minoru Suzuki comes out. Kaze Ninare is... The I would, I would say probably the second most over thing on this show, like outside of what we saw with the debut later on, like the crowd was just going nuts for Minoru Suzuki during his entrance. The match itself was a it a mat, it was like it was a less tame version of Arch uh, Anarchy in the Arena. Okay, I'm capping a little bit, but it was it was a mess. It was a bit of a mess, but a, in a very fun way. Very little tags. But that's not what this match needed to be. This match needed to be action. And here's the thing. They were able to actually tell stories throughout this entire match. The story of Eddie Kingston and Minoru Suzuki being two absolute maniacs who all they do is beat each other up with a smile on their face. Uh, the other story that I think a lot of people, myself included, enjoyed was the callback between Jericho and Shota when when Jericho was was beating up Shota's father a few years ago back in his run in New Japan and then put Shota in the lion tamer. Shota was able to get a little bit of revenge on Jericho in this match. I mean, look, I know a lot of people are hating on Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, and, and all that, but Sammy's still one of the best in in-ring in performance there is. Wheeler Yuta is having a year like nobody else. So they were able to get a lot of great people in this match. I think the way they showcased uh, Shota as well was great. In the end, uh, Jericho was able to hit the Judas effect on Shota for the dub. Overall, I thought this match was really fun. 
great opener, and it was able to kind of set the stage for things to come this Wednesday night at AEW Blood and Guts, uh, which is going to be a, a fun, fun card. But again, really good opener. I thought it was solid. Heels picked up the victory going into a big match. Pretty much what we expected. Moving on, winner take all IWGP World Tag Team Championships, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, both on the line as FTR took on Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan, as well as Rapungi, Rapungi, Rapungi Vice. Okay, so going into this match, I was very much convinced that that this was going to be the match where they sent the fans home happy a little bit with Rapungi Vice picking up the victory. Uh, FTR, though, were the most over people, or sorry, the second most over people on this card outside of, of, again, the person I will mention in a little bit, but they come out to a thunderous reaction, 16,000 people in the United Center screaming FTR, FTR. Uh, it looked like Dax Hardwood may have injured his, his shoulder. They went, they were playing that off after he fell down an elbow drop, but he would go off for a while, and then it would be uh, Cash Wheeler by himself kind of fighting off the two other teams. Rapungi Vice did a lot of great moves. We saw the tag team efficiency of Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta together. Uh, they, I think Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon really did a great job of showcasing themselves as well. Um, by the way, I mean, uh, Jeff Cobb, for those of you who have not seen, this dude, bulldozer, bulldozer of a human being. He is the second coming of Rhino, in my opinion. Like, this dude is an absolute beast, uh, as as they called Rhino as well. Um, match was awesome. I love the part. So, the parts that some of my favorite parts of this match were actually when Cash Wheeler was by himself without Dax Hardwood, who was getting attended to in the back. I thought those were some of the most compelling moments of the match because it was Cash Wheeler by himself you know, fighting off all both of the other teams and, and trying everything in in the book to try to keep the his Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships as well as gain the IWGP titles. After a lot of back and forth, the end we saw Cat we saw Dax Hardwood actually return. He was instrumental in in finishing off the uh finishing off this match. I really, really think that there's a lot of meat on the bone with the FTR and United Empire feud here. The FTR versus Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon. Uh, by the way, in the end, FTR ended up picking up the victory. They are now both the IWGP and the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, as well as also holding the AAA belts. We can expect that the FTR versus Young Bucks, I believe part three, is not that far behind for some sort of unification there. They're like FTR is going for all the gold, and this is part of their big time uh, uh, race to doing that. So, again, I really like this match. Was it the best match on this card? I don't think so, but on a card where you had match after match after match that just delivered on every single level. Like, this is great. Like, here's the one thing I can say. In my opinion, on the main card of this pay-per-view, there was not a bad match. There was not a bad match on the main card of this pay-per-view. Like, this, like, it was just action-packed. <laughs> Don't stop. Keep going, going, going the entire way. And I loved it. And everybody who, like, this was, I would say that this, 
for consistency, for consistency, this is AEW's best pay-per-view. Like, and that's saying a lot, but this, there was no, on the main card, there was no match that was below average. There was no average match, even. Like, all these matches were good to great. So, consistency-wise, I think it may have been AEW's best pay-per-view overall. Moving on, let's talk about the match for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championships. Everyone who's watched this podcast or listened to this podcast before knows how much I hate the idea of the All-Atlantic title. Not the fact that it is another championship that exists. I don't mind that. I mind the name and the fact that it really has no meaning. The All-Atlantic Championship which has flags from countries that aren't in the Atlantic Ocean. Doesn't make much sense to me. Whatever. It's the name. I'm just saying they could have came up with a better name. That, that's all I'm saying. It bothers me. I like geography. I'm a nerd. Either Anyway, AEW All-Atlantic title was decided in a four-way match between Malachi Black, Pac, Miro, and Clark Connors, who was, who was actually in there as a replacement for Tomohiro Ishii, who was injured recently after competing against Clark Connors to get into this matchup. So that's how Connors ended up in. He lost to Ishii, but by losing, he actually moved up a level. There you go. Wrestling. It's a work, kids, until it's not. Um, I loved it because we saw a culmination of really what Pac and Malachi Black have been doing over the past few months in this match. There, like, there were a lot of the segments where they were going up against each other. It felt like, you know, maybe this is the end. Maybe this is it. Maybe finally we're done with, with the whole Pac Malachi Black thing, which has been going on for a year now. Uh, we'll see about that, uh, given the results of this match. But if this is the end, I thought this was a fitting one because we finally got this. With stakes on the line, we finally got to see who would get uh, who, who would get the better of who. Um, the other big thing about this match was Miro. I was really excited to see what Miro could do in this big performance. And here's the thing. Miro really dictated a lot of what happened in this match because he was the big monster that everyone was, at one point, trying to get out of this match. Malachi Black set up a table and was able to put Miro in position so Clark Connors could spear him through the table on the outside. That didn't stop Miro. Miro eventually goes and puts Pac in the game over. Middle of the ring. It looks like it's over. Malachi Black comes out of nowhere and sprays the mist into the eyes of the... I almost called him the Bulgarian Brute. Into the eyes of Miro, uh, the Redeemer, God's former favorite champion. And, man, oh, man. Like, seeing the black mist in Miro's eyes, like, that took him out of the match. And it was basically down to Pac, Malachi, and Clark Connors. Good old jobber Clark Connors. It's a joke. It's a joke. But, yeah, I mean, Clark Connors did a lot of great, great stuff in this match. I thought the spear through the table on Miro was really awesome. One thing I was kind of like, eh, on. I was like, man, they really, like, look, I love Clark Connors. Like, I love the idea of Clark Connors. But, man, it's time to shave that head, Clark. That hairline ain't getting much better. Like he's got that he's got that nineteen eighties jobber haircut. Like, come on now, Clark. Come on. Also that promo he cut. Oh man. That's gonna be if OSW review ever reviews this pay-per-view, that's that that promo is gonna be like V1's gonna have a time with that promo. Uh, <laughs> either way, either way, I thought Clark did well, in all honesty. Um, end of the match, we saw the crowd get on their feet. Sixteen thousand people, like I said, get on their feet to watch uh, 
to to watch uh, uh sorry to watch Pac I should say I was about to say Malachi Black to watch Pac hit uh Malachi Black with the 450 the red arrow whatever you with black arrow whatever you want to call it he hit him with that and then he goes right into a brutalizer onto Clark Connors who immediately taps out Pac finally finally by God finally arguably the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the entire world. We've been singing his praises for a long time. Finally time to give him his flowers. The inaugural All-Atlantic champion in AEW. Well-deserved. He got a great ovation afterwards. The you-deserve-it chance could not have have rung any more true with this guy. I absolutely loved it. And, yeah, man, I mean, look, if, if this means the Pac is going to be highlighted more on AEW television... That is a good thing, and and I like it when stakes are on the line, so I don't mind him having this championship that they, that they made. Hopefully, they rename it though the All Atlantic Title. I'm just saying, it's got the it's it's called the All Atlantic Title, and it's got the Chinese and Japanese flag. I, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like they're not even in the Atlantic Ocean. Like you get what I'm saying? Come, I'm just saying. Anyway, not to rain on Pac's parade. Congratulations, Pac. Well deserved victory here. Anyway, moving on, a six-man tag team match here. Bullet Club taking on the Dudes with Attitudes thing, bringing back the old 1990s uh, Dudes with Attitudes stable here. A little bit of, with a few different faces, I should say. Uh, Anyway, it was uh, Dudes with Attitude, Darby Allin, Shingo Tagaki. Oh, my God. I cannot believe they just threw him in there in the six-man match. Um, And Darby Allin taking on... El Fantasmo, Matt Nick Jackson with Hikaleo in their corner. The reason I mentioned Hikaleo is because Hikaleo was an instrumental part of this matchup because he just kept on interfering. Um, Six-man tag team match started with Sting doing an insane dive off the top of the entrance onto all, all four members of Bullet Club. Sting is like, 60 whatever years old and he just doesn't care he's 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 doing some of the best work in his career and he just does not care um sting sting was absolutely great in this matchup too doing what he was able to do um oh man i just look i i i love i love darby allen and sting and all that i i do think that i'm kind of getting tired a little bit of seeing this them in in six-man matches on pay-per-views i think on dynamite is great but i kind of want to see darby allen take a take the next step and and see what he could do maybe a world title run uh, or a world title match at a pay-per-view we'll see what happens there but um yeah i mean like i thought that this was this was cool like the bucks did their thing the whole cartwheels they they were they were doing their thing with like you know oh super kicks trolling yeah it was cool generally i thought this was one of the more weaker matches on the show again this is still a good match but uh, generally I, I thought it was a bit, bit weaker than compared to the other stuff that we saw which honestly speaking is to be expected uh End of the match, saw uh, Shingo Takaki pick up the victory here for the dudes with attitude. Uh, in about 13 minutes, Bullet Club uh, had to run with their with their tail between their legs. But, hey, it was a good match, and it brought us to what was next. You know, at least, it, it, for me at least, this was kind of like one of those low matches. And it, and it prepared me for what was next, which was Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm absolutely tearing up the place in... A fantastic match that will likely not get much praise because not many people were expecting it to be as good as it was. 
uh, considering the lack of build to this match. Because again, AEW just doesn't build women's matches as 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 best as they can. But okay, so they start off. They do the old sportsmanship. They shake hands. Great, I love that. And then they just went off and started beating the absolute crap out of each other. Which was awesome. They did a spot where they were chopping the hell out of each other. Tony Storm, Thunder Rosa, two of the strongest competitors in the division, just chopping the hell out of each other. The strong style was strong with both of these women here tonight. Um, and and honestly, like it, it felt like from start to finish that they were just in a different gear. I loved I liked the spot where they were on the they were on the the apron and Thunder Rosa was about to go hit her move, and then Tony Storm reversed it into a German suplex onto the apron, bashing Thunder Rosa's head down. Uh, but it, it, this was great. I, I thought that they they were able to put together a, a great matchup considering the lack of build. And Thunder Rosa ended up retaining with a nice callback to Dustin Rhodes. She, she was able to hit some spinning suplexes for the victory there. Great match. Um, should have had a better build. You definitely should have had a better bell because these two were worth it and they proved exactly why they're worth it through this match. But yeah, I mean like this was this was probably like I would say like one of the better matches on this show, technically wise, especially. Um and I, I just it just suffered, I think, from the lack of build going into it. Moving on, my favorite match from the show, Fight Me Internet, was Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. For the IWGP United States Championship. Here's the thing about Orange Cassidy. I know like there's a lot of like, like Cornette hates him. And a lot of wrestling quote unquote purists don't like Orange Cassidy. Look up AEW's most viewed videos. They're like all of Orange Cassidy. Like on YouTube they're all of Orange Cassidy. There's a reason why. His matches are so fun to watch. Like I know I talk about Ray Phoenix being in my opinion the most fun wrestler to watch. And I, I have like a ranking here. Number one is Ray Phoenix. Number two is Montez Ford. Number three is this guy, Orange Cassidy. You know why? You know why he's so fun to watch? Because his matches make you laugh, can make you cry, can make you angry, can make you feel almost any emotion in the world, all, at, all within a matter of like 10, 15 minutes. I mean, these two tore the house down. All right, Orange Cassidy, anyone who says he can't work, he can't wrestle, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. He, he, him and Will Ospreay tore it down. There were so many near falls in this match where I thought, there was one where I thought, like, Orange Cassidy had this one. Like, I, I thought it was one. And I got up out of my seat and, like, was like, what? Screamed. Uh, he didn't. But, I mean, they had me. They had me. The story between these two was great. Will Ospreay got so frustrated with Orange Cassidy at so many moments within this matchup. And and that was great. Orange Cassidy not phased by any of it. And, yeah, I mean, what ring psychology, A. Uh, ring psychology, A. Technical prowess, A. High-risk high maneuvers, A. Entertainment, A. Five stars, 15. The United Center is a Tokyo Dome tonight. 20 stars out of five here from, from good old Tuna Meltzer. We love we love it. I, I thought this was amazing. Amazing. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, Will Ospreay is freaking insane. Orange Cassidy is, is like the best gimmick in wrestling right now. Just 10, 20 out of 
five. I don't care what anyone says. It's a great matchup. Moving on, we were all wondering who the mystery opponent for Zach Sabre. Yes, that's how I say his name. Zach Sabre Jr. Uh, was going to be in replacing Brian Danielson, and we found out that it was, in fact, Claudio Castagnoli, the former Cesaro, made his AEW debut tonight, facing off against Zack Sabre Jr. in an awesome technical wrestling matchup. Uh, Claudio will also be facing off, or will also be joining the Blackpool Combat Club this Wednesday night live on Dynamite for AEW Blood and Guts, as William Regal would say. And Brian Danielson, who was unable to compete because of a concussion, promised that Whoever would be his substitute would get one of the best technical wrestling matches out of Zack Sabre Jr. And they did exactly that. This was this was <laughs> technically wise. Like I I would say this in the Thunder Rosa uh, Tony Storm match were like right up there. I I loved the this match. And how could you not? Cesaro like started off with some like really high intense. Uh, fast break offense. He he got all his moves in. He hit him with a neutralizer to begin with, and um, and everyone thought it was over. But obviously Sa Sabre was able to <laughs> Sabre. Obviously Saber was able to uh, uh, kick out of that and, and regroup. But I love the back and forth between Bryce Remsburg and Zack Saber Jr. in this match as well. Zack Saber Jr. was taking like a lot of like time on the outside to breathe and he was telling him to get back in the ring Bryce was like get back in the ring get back in the ring and Zack Sabre was like F off like it was amazing um oh man th this match was so so good every move looked like it was it was painful every move looked like it was it was real it was technical uh in the end Castagnoli hit a powerbomb to win in his AEW debut over Zack Sabre Jr. The match between Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson will happen, but this was, this was, if we were going to get another replacement for Brian, this was the perfect one. Moving on, our penultimate main event Jay White defending the eight, or no, not the AEW, Jay White defending the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship against Hangman Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole, baby. All right, four-way match for the IWGP world title. Uh, exactly what you expected. It was insane. These four men went out there and absolutely tore the house down. They beat the crap out of each other. And in the end, Jay White did exactly what Jay we thought Jay White would do. Uh, Kazuchika Okada hit the Rainmaker on Adam Cole, baby. Uh, Jay White was able to hit his move on Okada, taking him out of the match and taking advantage of a prone Adam Cole, baby, on the in the ring one two three jay white pinned adam cole which i but which is pretty much what i expected because i thought that this was going to build up between a match between jay white and adam cole down the line for the iwgp title and after the match was really what happened like i know kazushiko okada uh, uh hangman adam page here are your flowers you we, everyone knows you're great i want to talk about jay white and adam cole and the storyline they're building because that's the thing that excites me the most so the Adam Cole and Jay White thing, like, th there's been these hints. They've been so buddy-buddy over the last number of weeks and months that you almost expect, like, eventually these two are going to feud. And the ending of this match really made, hinted towards that. As Jay White is going up the ramp with his IWGP title in hand, 
you see the Young Bucks and and Red Dragon come out and arguing with Jay White, just like giving him a very disgusting look as, as they go and tend to Adam Cole, who uh, was 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 they were saying was injured. I don't think that's you know whatever. Uh, but man, like like that look, I, I cannot wait for this match. Like like the those two are gonna anyone who didn't know Jay White before tonight, that's Jay White for you. He's great, and then. Uh, and him and Adam Cole are going to do magic in the ring together one day. Those promos as well are going to be amazing. Oh, please give me this feud today. Moving on, finally, for the AEW Interim World Championship, John Moxley took on Hiroshi Tanahashi in a dream match that lived up to the hype and then some. So... The, the the term dream match was obviously thrown around a lot with this. Moxley's been waiting to get his hands on Tanahashi for three years. Tanahashi said that it took three years for Moxley to get on his level. I love the back and forth. The pain. <laughs> like, like these two just went out there and hurt each other. That, that That's what happened here. These two just went out there and hurt each other. Like, Moxley at one point just decided... I'm going to hurt you, Tanahashi. And he just picked him up, threw him through a table, chokeslammed him through a table. And it was such a good back and forth. Like, this was a match where I don't, like, I neither Mox nor Hiroshi Tanahashi really had control. And I like that. It was like, it was like both of them were fighting till the very end to see who would get control of the match. And no one ever really got control of it, which kind of made the ending a lot better in a way because Mox was able to just hit his moves in in unison in stereo a few times uh, after a few near falls and and pick up the victory. Um, I mean, so like, like Mox hit, I believe, a paradigm shift. Tanahashi kicked out at one, which enraged Moxley to the point where he hit him with a super paradigm shift. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, I mean, look, this was like, like this was great. Like, this was great. Moxie was bleeding. I talked about this in a video earlier on, so I don't want to get, like, too much into it. Uh, but, I mean, this was the perfect way to end off the the perfect exhibition show. Like, like between these two for the AEW world title with the story that was told in the ring, I, I think they, they hit it out of the park. They knocked it out of the park. Afterwards, the Jericho Appreciation Society came out and attacked Moxley ahead of the big blood and guts match. Uh, later on um and yeah and then like everyone who was in blood and guts came out and it was a big melee Castagnoli was able to fight off the heels in the end so that's how the show went off the air but AEW blood and sorry AEW forbidden door as a pay-per-view look it's weird to rate this with eight with other AEW specific pay-per-views because this is a at the end of the day this is an exhibition this was a, a joint venture, an interpromotional pay-per-view. That being said, I mean, this is it's a special night. Like, like that's a, Is it AEW's best pay-per-view they've ever put on as far as, like, like in my opinion, like their overall package? No, I still think All Out 2021, in my opinion, All Out 2021 is the best wrestling pay-per-view since WrestleMania X7. The internet doesn't like that take. It is what it is. That's my opinion. I still stand by my opinion that this, or sorry, stand by that this is AEW's most consistent pay-per-view, match to match to match. 
Like, there just was not a bad match on this card. Each match was good to great. And that's and that's honestly all you can ask for from a pay-per-view. Like, that's all you can ask for from a big show. So, I loved it. Overall, let's rate it out of 10 here, folks. I would give it a 9.8. Like, this is like, like 9... Okay, no, I'm capping. 9.9, 9.5, I would give the show a 9.5. There were a few things that I would, I would have liked to have seen a little more, uh, get a little more time and browse. Like the, the fact that some of these matches had like one or two week build, I didn't like. Uh, some of the, some of these moments were great. I mean, the Orange Cassidy match, Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay, best match of the night. Like most fun to watch, entertaining, whatever you want to call it. Best, best, best. Yes, yes, yes. That won it for me. Uh, but again, this was a fantastic night of wrestling, an important night of pro wrestling, and a fun one for all the fans who tuned in. And if you haven't tuned in, stop listening to this review right now and go check it out. It was so much fun to watch. Let me know what you guys thought of AEW Forbidden Door, though, in the comment section below. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and keep it real.